Shalom and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com and our study of Sefer Dvarim. My name is Menachem Liptag. Today we begin our study of Parshat Ekev, Shur number one out of six. In today's class, we will be studying from chapter seven, verses 12 through 26. It divides into two sections. Verses 12 through 16 will discuss reward and punishment for keeping the mitzvot. And verses 17 through 26, we will find more encouragement that God will assist us in conquering the land even though the enemy may be formidable. So let's begin by reading the first pasuk, chapter 7, verse 12, Perak Zayin, Pasuk Yudbet, and we will discuss the meaning of the famous word Ekev, which is also the namesake of the parsha. Vaya Ekev Tishmun et HaMishpatim and it shall be, should you, or when you keep and follow these laws, Ushmartem Vasitem Otam, and should you keep them and do them, V'shamar Adonai Elohecha then Hashem, your God, will keep for you the covenant and the kindness that He swore to your forefathers. Most commentators understand the word ekev as if, or if only, or because. Very similar to the Hebrew word im. In fact, in a very similar context, a verse we all know by heart from the second parsha of Kriyat Shema, in chapter 11, verse 13, later on in Sefer Dvarim, God says, if you follow my laws, then he promises reward. So if the meaning of the word ekev is the same as im, why not just use the word im? Why use the word ekev? Most of the classic parshanim relate this word ekev not only to its context of because or if, but also to the other meaning of the word ayin kuvav, which is a cave or the hill or bottom of one's foot. For example, Rashi says, Afilu hakalot sha'adam dash bakevav even the simple mitzvot, which a person tramples with his foot, even for simple mitzvot like that, God promises reward. Eben Ezra, Rashbam, and Chizkuni, and also Ramban agrees that the word ekev might relate to the end of something. Just like the rosh is the beginning, a cave is the end. And therefore, they all explain that this reward will come as an end result. Ultimately, God will save reward for the right time because of mitzvot that are kept. For example, Rashbam says, God is saving for a worthy generation the promise he made to the Avot. And if one generation doesn't keep the mitzvot, then he won't give the reward then. He'll give the reward only when people are worthy. It's also interesting to note that the very first time we find the word Akev in the context of a foot or a hill is in the punishment to the Nachash in Gan Eden. In chapter 3, verse 15, where Hashem tells the Nachash, Ramban suggests a different understanding, not that the word means if, but rather bavor, for the sake of. He explains we keep the mitzvot in order that God can keep and fulfill the promise he made to our forefathers. Of course, he will base this in the famous line that God told Yitzchak regarding his father Abraham Avinu, when he tells Yitzchak, don't leave the country in time of a famine, instead stay in the land. And there he says, Ekev asher shama Avram Bakoli, that's in Sefer Breshi, chapter 26, verse 5. There Ramban understands, in order for God to fulfill his promise to Avram Avinu, Yitzchak needs to keep the mitzvot as well and follow God's commands. I would like to return to this parallel that Ramban pointed out between the word Ekev here and the word Ekev in relation to Avram Avinu in Sefer Breshi, with the verse that he quoted, I would like to suggest 
that there might be a deeper reason why Chumash is using specifically the word Ekev here in Sefer Dvarim as it relates to the theme of what's happening in Sefer Brashit. It is interesting to note that the word Ekev comes together with Shmi'ah four times in Chumash, two times in Sefer Brashit, and two times in Parshat Ekev. There's only one other time we have the word Ekev in the context of Ifer because, and that's in relation to the story of the spies, where we're told that Kalev was not punished with them, Ekev Haital Ruach Echeretimo, because he had a different spirit. So there, in relation to the reward that Kalev gets, we have the word Ekev, but it doesn't come there with the word Shema, with listening or obeying. But Ekev and Shmi'ah come together four times, and they come in two pairs. In Sefer Breshit, it's almost the exact same thing, as we will see, and it relates to Akedat Yitzchak. And in Parshat Ekev, it's found two times, forming bookends between here and the end of chapter 8. Our Parsha begins with, Vaya Ekev Tishmun and then God promises the reward. In the end of chapter 8, we're told, in verse 19 and 20, the exact opposite, should we forget Hashem our God, and it continues, then we will surely be punished. Ending with, Ekev lo tishmun Because you did not listen to the voice of your God. So again, in Sefer Tvarim, we find this combination twice as the opening and closing units of this section in Parshat Ekev. However, because this is the only other time we find it in Chumash, it must relate to the first time we find it in Chumash in relation to Akedah Yitzchak. And that is the first time we find these two words together. Recall at the end of the Akedah, after God tells Avram Vinu, not to slaughter his child. God's angel, the Malach Hashem, appears to Avram one last time and makes the following promise. In chapter 22, verse 15, in Sefer Breshit, An angel of God called to Avram a second time from heaven, and he said, Pay attention to the word, the oath. God is swearing, and this is the first time we have God swearing in relation to his covenant with Avram Avinu. Because you have done this, and you did not hold back your son, your only son. God continues in Pasuk Yitzayin, in verse 17. Surely I will bless you. I will increase your offspring like the stars of the heaven, and like the sand by the shore of the sea. And now pay attention to this last phrase. The Yirash Zaracha et Shar Rivav. And your offspring that I promised you, they will conquer the gates of their enemies. This is the first time we have a promise from God of military victory over the land of Israel. God promised Yerusha back in the covenant of the parts and Brit Tarim, but here in the context of a military victory. Then God continues, Pasak Yivchet, Vit Barachu, Vizaracha, Kogoyehaaretz, through your offspring, all the nations of the land will be blessed. Ekev asher shamata b'koli, again the word ekev, because you have listened to my voice. That is the first time we have the word ekev and shmi'ah coming together, and that concludes God's promise at the end of the story of the Akedah. Notice there are two main promises God makes to Avram Avinu, the promise of having many children, and the promise that he will conquer the land, all in the context of a shvuah, of an oath that cannot be broken. As many commentators point out, especially Radak, that even though God made a promise in the beginning of Pashat Lech Lecha that Avram's offspring would have the land, and even though this was formulated in a covenant in chapter 15 in Brit Ben Abtarim, what's special about the end of the Akedah is God takes those promises and that covenant and makes them irrevocable 
by making a shvua, which implies that no matter how bad this relationship between God and his people may be, we will never be unchosen. There may be difficult times in this relationship, and there may be many generations where the Jewish people are in exile, but ultimately the people will come back to their land and we always remain God's people. And that was the very last time that God spoke to Avram Avinu in Sefer Breshit. Then in chapter 26 in Sefer Breshit, the very first time that God speaks to Yitzchak is when there was a famine in the land and Yitzchak was thinking of going down to Egypt like Avram had done earlier and God told Yitzchak not to go down to Egypt, rather to stay in the land where he would show him. Then in chapter 26, verse 3 in Breshit, God tells Yitzchak, Stay in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. Listen carefully now. Because for you and your offspring, I'm going to give all these lands. And I'm going to upkeep the oath that I swore to Avram your father. When did God make a shvua with Avram Avinu? And that God continues to promise. I'm going to multiply your offspring like the stars of the heaven. I'm going to give your offspring these lands. And through your offspring, God will bring blessing to all the nations of the land. Almost a word-for-word -word repetition of God's promise at the end of the Akedah. And then God concludes, Again, the same phrase that we found at the end of the Akedah, So again, this phrase of is only twice in Sefer Breshit and only two other times in Chumash other than Parshat Ekev. Therefore, I think it makes sense that there must be some deeper connection between the promise of God to Avram Avinu and the Shvua that he made after the Akedah to what's happening now in Sefer Dvarim. Well, what is happening now in Sefer Tvarim? As we're going to see now, God is going to promise to should we keep these mitzvot, God will bless us, and He'll bless our offspring, and He will help us defeat our enemies, the very same topics that God promised in an oath after the story of Dekidah. So with this in mind, let's return to our study of Parshat Ekev. And again, chapter 7, verse 12, Vaya Ekev Tishmu'un et HaMishpatim What did God promise? God will keep the covenant and the kindness that he swore to your forefathers. It's clear now it's referring to the Shua at the time of the Akedah. Now let's see what reward God is going to promise. Pasuk Yedgimu, verse 13. Then God promises that I will love you and bless you and multiply you. And I will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land. Your grain, your wine, and your olive oil. The calves of your cattle and the lambs of your sheep on the land that I swore to give to your forefathers. Again, notice the concept, all based on the shvua, on the oath that I made to your forefathers. Pasuk Yedalad, verse 14. You shall be blessed from all the nations. There will be no barren male or female among you or among your cattle. Pasuk verse 15. God will take away from you any type of sickness. 
וכל מדווי מצרים הרעים אשר ידעת לא ישימם בך ונתנם בכל שונאיך. And all those harmful diseases that you knew about in Egypt, I will not put on you. Instead, I will give them to your enemies. And finally, in Pasek Tetzayin, Vachaltad kol hamim asher Adonai Elohecha noten lach, and you shall devour all the nations that Hashem your God is giving you. Lo tochos encha lehem, you should not have any pity on them. Velo tavodet Elohehem ki mokeshu lach, nor should you serve any of their gods, because those gods will be a stumbling block to you. Notice now how God is promising that should we keep His commandments, we will become worthy of the same two blessings that He gave Avraham Avinu at the end of the Akedah. Notice as well, this is not only a promise that God is going to fulfill His oath, it's also a warning that in order for God to fulfill His promise to our forefathers, we have to be worthy and we have to keep His mitzvot. Therefore, as Moshe Rabbeinu is about to explain those commandments that Amisar need to keep, before He explains them, He has to remind them that should they keep them, they will receive this reward, and more so, the entire purpose for why God is giving them this land, and for why God is going to bless them and help them conquer this land, is in order that they keep these mitzvot. As we will very soon see, should we not keep the mitzvot, all these promises will not be fulfilled. I would like to bring further support for this idea from Tidim Kufei, from Psalm 105, a psalm that we say the first part of it, every day in Pesukah Zimra, that begins with Hodu Ladunai Kiru Bishmo, we are commanded to call out in God's name and sing His praises. Later, and that means more, in verse 8, we praise God and say, We say that God remembers His covenant forever. Which covenant? The one that He convened with Avram Avinu. And He made a shvua, an oath with Yitzchak. That's clearly referring to the two times we have shvua by our forefathers. The verses that we saw after the Akedah, we had the Shvua, and when the first time God speaks to Yitzchak, he reminds him of the Shvua that he made with Avram his father. And then, what was that promise that he made? That I'm going to give you the land of Canaan to be your inheritance. The Mizmor continues to explain how God took care of our forefathers, how he watched us when we went out to Egypt, how he redeemed us from Egypt with all the plagues, how we crossed the Red Sea, how he took care of us in the desert, and finally, at the end of the Mizmor, in verses 44 and 45, the last two, there it says, goyim. We say that God gave us the lands of many nations. Yirashu, the hard work of these other nationalities we inherited or we conquered from them. That's talking about how we conquered the land of Israel. And then it ends with the purpose of that conquest and the purpose of this covenant. Ba'avur yishmru chukav Hallelujah. But for what purpose did God take us out of Egypt and take care of us in the desert and help us conquer the land? In order that we keep His commandments and follow His Torah. Here we have the same idea of Ekeb Tishma'un that we see in the beginning of this week's Parsha that is for the purpose and for the sake of keeping God's laws that God took us out of Egypt and did all these miracles and is keeping the promises He made to our forefathers. Just as Ramban explained on this opening Pasuk in Parsha Ekeb. Now in the next section, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to try to allay their fears about attacking an enemy that is much stronger than they are. Pasuk Yedzayin, verse 17. Ki tomar bilvabacha rabim ha'goyim ha'ele mimeni, echa ucha lorisham. Should you say in your hearts, these nations are much greater than I am, how can I possibly be able to conquer them? 
God answers, Do not be fearful of them. Surely remember that which Hashem your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. As we read these psukim now, notice again that this promise from God was first given to the first generation because it sounds very much like he's talking to those people who went through the Exodus and saw all the miracles that happened when they left Egypt. Pasuk Yetet, verse 19, The great trials that you saw with your own eyes, and all the great signs and wonders, and the mighty arm, and the outstretched hand, by which Hashem your God took you out, Hashem your God will do exactly the same thing to all the nations that you are so afraid of. Pasach half, verse 20. And Hashem your God will even send against them the tzirah. This appears to be some type of a hornet that can sting someone and causes them to die. Until those who are hiding from you, or those who have remained, who you did not conquer, until they are dispersed as well. So what God is promising, even those who you are not able to totally wipe out, God will finish the job off for you by sending a type of a plague known as a tzirah that will kill those who are hiding from you. This word tzirah, we also found in a very similar promise by God in the end of chapter 23 in Sefer Shemot, where after teaching all the laws of Parshat Mishpatim, God promises to send a malach, to send an angel that will help them conquer the land on the condition to keep the mitzvot. And there he promises, if you follow God and get rid of all the idol worship in that land, God will help you defeat your enemies. He will bless you and you will prosper. And there in verse 28 in chapter 23 in Shemot, I will send the tzirah in front of you and that tzirah will help you defeat your enemies in addition to your conquest. If you have time, you could read from chapter 23, verses 20 through 33 in Sefer Shemot and notice the numerous parallels between that section and what we find here in Pashat Ekev. And again, yet another proof that this original promise of God in Pashat Ekev was originally given to the first generation and now Moshe Rabbeinu is repeating it to the next generation. So let's continue now in verse 21, Pasach of Aleph in chapter 7 in Tvarim. Lo tarotz bibnehem, you shall not dread them or fear them, because Hashem your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. Pasachabet, verse 22. Hashem your God will clear away these nations before you very slowly. You will not be able to put an end to them quickly. For the wild beasts would grow and become too numerous for you. Here again, just like his promise in Parshat Mishpatim in chapter 23 in Sefer Shemot, we see that God will help us conquer the land, but for our own good, it will be a slow conquest because if the people are defeated and the land is left desolate, wild animals will come and those wild animals of the field may pose a danger to us as well. Therefore, God says, if the conquest goes slow, it's okay. I'm doing that to help you. Pasach of Gimel, verse 23. Hashem your God will put them in front of you. He will throw them out in great confusion until they are all destroyed. Pasach Abdalad, verse 24. 
He will deliver their kings into your hand, so that you will make their name perish from under the heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them. And finally, in verse 25 and 26, a warning, again, to get rid of their idols. Again, everything parallel to what we found in chapter 23 in Sefer Shemot. The graven images of their gods you must burn in fire. You shall not covet or desire for yourself the silver and gold that is on those idols and take for yourself for that would be an abomination to Hashem your God. And finally, in verse 26, You should not bring this abomination into your home, again referring to this gold and silver from this idol worship. Then you will be destroyed like it needs to be destroyed. Instead, you should utterly detest it and you shall utterly abhor it, for it is something that must be banned. I'd like to conclude the share with one last insight in regard to another reason why this commandment might relate to the story of the Akedah. Recall that in the story of the Akedah, Avram is faced with a moral dilemma. Do I follow a divine command or do I follow my moral instinct? The most immoral thing one could do would be to kill another human being, especially your own son, especially the son you love and you cherish. On the other hand, if God commands you to do something, you must do it. So Avram is faced with a very difficult test, what Chumash calls in Nisayon in chapter 22 in Sefer Breshit, and he's torn between two very important values. And therefore, one of the biggest questions when one studies the Akedah, when a person is faced with a dilemma, do I follow a divine command or do I follow my moral instinct? How do I make that decision? So when it's crystal clear what the divine command is, and it's unclear what's considered moral or immoral, then I follow the divine command. If the moral issue is crystal clear, but it's unclear what the divine command is, then I follow my moral instinct. But what happens when it's a crystal clear divine command and a crystal clear moral conflict? Now, in theory, those two values should never contradict one another because we have a moral and just God. But sometimes things that God commands us to do may appear to be immoral. So how do we solve that dilemma? That's a question for a class in philosophy. However, in the context here of this commandment, I think it's very similar. It should be very difficult for a nation that's chosen to serve God and where human life is one of the highest values. And in the Ten Commandments, we're forbidden to kill and to murder. And we're told in the beginning of the Torah that every human being is created in God's image. And shofech dam adam b'damo damo yishafech, the main law of the seven Noachite laws against murder. How is God commanding this people that's supposed to represent him and demanding that they go and wipe out these seven nations? I think this is a classic example of a divine command that appears at first glance to be immoral, yet God is commanding it anyhow. So therefore, Chumash will explain that God has decided to wipe these nations out because of their bad behavior. We see that in chapter 18 in Sefer Vayikra, and we'll see it mentioned many times later in Sefer Devarim, that God is using you as his executioner. If there's a nation that deserves to be punished, God has the right to destroy that nation. Why is he using you to destroy that nation? He wants you to be sensitive so that when you become that nation, you make sure not to act the way that they did. But when Avram passes that test and is willing to follow divine command against his moral instinct, it may be thematically similar to the situation that Am Yisrael is facing as they are about to conquer the land. It should bother them 
that they're commanded to kill other people. On the other hand, in the context of why they're chosen, in the context of being God's people and representing Him, if God made that decision, we have to assume that His decision was just and we have to follow it. And it could be that that background can give us extra appreciation of why Chumash is having this command in Parshat Ekev relating to the story of the Akedah. Our entire right to conquer the land and the only reason why God will help us conquer that land is on the condition that we are willing to keep his mitzvot. Then God will bless us with prosperity. Then God will bless us with the ability to conquer those enemies. On the other hand, if we just go and massacre other people that don't set up that nation and keep his mitzvot, we will find the same fate. And that is exactly how this unit will conclude in the end of chapter 8. If we follow other gods, God's warning us, we will be wiped out. Just like those nations that you are destroying, you will be destroyed the same way. If you don't follow the voice of Hashem your God. That's how the unit ends in the end of chapter 8. And therefore, it could be that Chumash is intentionally using the phrase to remind us how God is keeping his oath, but not only in regard to the promise that God will help us, but also in regard to our need to be willing and ready to keep his mitzvot, and only for that reason, God will help us take over the land. In tomorrow's shiv, we begin with chapter 8, and we find in the first line the very same idea, Kol lasot. All this commandment that I'm commanding you today, make sure to keep. The exact same thing, in order that you remain alive and multiply, and you will come and conquer the land, that Hashem, your God, that Hashem has sworn Shvuah to your forefathers. In tomorrow's share, we will continue with our study of chapter 8. However, to close today's share, I would like to quote a verse from Psalm 19, from Mizmor Yotet, that we say every Shabbat morning in Pesuket Zimra, HaShemayim Mesaprim Kvodel, where we find in Tilin that the word Ekev itself means reward. Pasachet, in verse 8, we say, Torah Hashem Tmima, Meshivat Nafesh, we continue, We talk about how great and beautiful the Torah is. Then we continue in verse 12, in Pasuk Yudbet, Even your servant is very careful to keep these laws. And when they are kept, we have great reward. So here in Sefer Tehilim, the word Ekev already means reward. And we see how the book of Tehilim takes this concept of Chumash and now gives new meaning to the word Ekev in Hebrew.